welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. Today's message is from our November 2020 first Wednesday service, and our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, is back bringing the word and opening up a brand new series titled Recover All. We hope you enjoy today's message. (laughs) Can we give it up for our staff? Come on, let's come on. Thank you. Give it up for our staff. Um, For our teaching team, let's give them a big hand. Come on. Amazing. Amazing, you guys. (laughs) And And then can you give yourselves a hand? You've done amazing attending, serving, giving, loving, growing. You've done amazing. You've done amazing. COVID didn't stop a thing. COVID didn't stop a thing. God's people are still worshiping him and praising him and loving him and honoring him. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we know that we're in the middle of the uh, election thing, right? Okay, and Pastor Tamara's going to pray for us, and, and, uh, and then I'm going to get to teach the Word. All right? I'm going to... I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I thought I was going to pray, but since I'm crying again, (laughs) we love y'all so much. Jesus, thank you that we, we get to worship you freely because we live in America. And though everything is not decided and we don't know the outcome, in Daniel, starting in chapter 4 and 5 and 6, it says four different times the Most High God is sovereign over kingdoms of men and he places over them whoever he wishes. And so, God, we know that no matter who is placed on this throne, that you are ultimately in control and that you love us and that you haven't left us and that you have a plan for us, and we trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you. And I pray now and thank you that Greg gets to preach. Thank you for everyone's prayers that were prayed during his healing and that continue, Father, that just carried us through. Thank you for repairing his diaphragm and giving him his strength and his stamina and his voice back. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Give somebody a high five. Be seated. Tell them you love them in a good way. If you're weird, exit the building. Ain't going nowhere. I'm weird, though. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you, God, that uh, we would see and feel and hear you. We would leave here today changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen and amen and amen. Can I, uh, I'd love to share with you a little bit of, of the journey. Is that okay? Is that all right? I'd love to share with you just a little of the journey. 
So many of you know, if you've been here at the Crossing Church for, for a while, that I've been dealing with some, uh, some injuries, uh, I had some old things dealing with my neck, specifically the discs in my neck. That's the sort of spongy stuff in between the vertebra. And then um, arthritis. A year ago or so, I took an x-ray and they came out and they said, we've really, we've never seen anything like this. Uh, I'm 51. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm 51. And they said, you have a 90-year-old neck. And, and, and I said, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've always done what I, what I do to the fullest of my ability. Uh, and, and, but so I reference, I want to reference for you a Sports Illustrated article uh, about some linebackers, that's a position I played in college, some linebackers at USC, the University of USC, they're going to put it up for, here for a second. So this is 1989, all right, so that goes back a minute, love you guys, love you. I did not play at USC, I played at the University of Missouri, but the article talks about linebackers specifically, there were 12 on the roster, and five, one, two, three, four, five, five out of 12, passed away before age 50 because of the way that they used to teach us to tackle. Do I have any football players that played in the late 80s? Okay. So what they, what they would do is they would teach us it's to spear. You would lock your head in and, and, and try to act like a human torpedo. And so that does not work for the neck. Uh, and, and I reference that, the only reason why I reference that, you can take that down now, um, is because I believe that when, so what they suffered were neck and head injuries that perpetuated into other things. And, um, and, and I say that as a reference point because um, God, when God comes into a person's life, God does something different with us. He's able to heal us. He's able to bring grace to us. And what the enemy meant for evil, God uses for his good. God uses for his good. He, he uses for his good. During this time that I've been out, we've been managing the platform differently maybe than we've ever done at the Crossing Church. And we have discovered an incredible strength of our church. The teaching team that has been up here has been incredible, haven't they? Come on. Incredible. Pastor Jonas all day the other day, bald guy, you know what I mean? Country from Georgia talking about racism. That's getting it done. That's just getting it done. Didn't he do an amazing job? Amazing. Pastor Michael, come on. Pastor Hector, come on. Pastor Stephen, getting it. Doing an incredible job, incredible job. Through uh, the giftings and some relationship, I've got a good friend. And just this coming Friday, uh, I get to go to a place called TB12. That's Tom Brady 12. And I get to see the physical therapist that uh, works with Tom exclusively. He's the guy that flies with him and goes to the games and all that stuff. And, and so I'm, you know, thank you, Tom, for coming to Tampa. God bless you. Woo! The PT, physical therapist, works on on mobility, and, and I, really, I really think it might be a God thing. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm praying, and, and God is gracious, right? He's good to us. He's gracious. He, he takes us through things to lead us into things. He, he always does. He always does. Uh, Randy Clark 
is an international healer. Uh, he works in healing ministry around the world. And Bill Johnson is the pastor at Bethel Church in Reddington, California. Many of you know Bethel, right? Yeah. Randy Clark. How many of you know Randy? How many of you know Randy Clark? International healing ministry. Randy and Bill are coming to the Crossing Church March of next year. Yeah. Four days for four days of a healing ministry here in, in, in this place. Um, God is good. And all the time. Can I go one level down? Because I have a testimony in it. Is that okay? Are you with me? Okay. In order to try to not have four-level fusion in my neck, I had this procedure called TOS, thoracic outlet. And what they do is they, okay, everybody okay? You, it's, it gets a little bit gross, but I'm not going to get super gross. You cool? Okay. They cut the first rib. There are muscles on the side of your neck called scalenes. There's three of them. They take the middle scalene out, and then they cut the pec minor. Pec majors like this, pec minors like this. And the reason they do that, you've got a thing right here called the brachial plexus, where the nerves come through from your brain and they go out to your arms and down through your body, so on and so forth, okay? So it's a cardiothoracic surgery that is pretty involved. So they take the muscle. I thought we're supposed to keep all of our muscles, right? They take the muscle out. Here's the reason why. Because the muscle pulls on the rib, pulls the chin down, and then that pec minor rolls the shoulders forward and you get this slumped over deal and you lose that curvature in your neck. Everybody with me? You still tracking? So they did the surgery in January. And so I'm, I'm, avoiding, I'm avoiding four level fusion. Fusion means that they take rods, titanium rods and screws, and they would, you know, four of my vertebrae. So I would, you know what I mean? If this ever happens, y'all can't make fun of me because I'll be going like this. Hey, hey. All right, I'm trying to avoid that. Thoracic outlet January, got it done. I had a hematoma. They had to go in and clean that whole thing out. Lots of stitches, so on. I got better and was feeling better. And then we had COVID come. <laughs> and let me just say this to you. God did some amazing things at the Crossing Church in the midst of COVID. He, he, he propelled our staff. We got clarity, we pushed out content, we started, we started engaging in the community in ways we've never engaged before. Just, just really clarified our vision and, and God did some wonderful things. July came and I, and I was gonna finish the right side. So I did the left side, I did the right side. They did the TOS surgery. This time when I went in, uh, I have no advocate because nobody can go to the hospital with you during COVID. So that was a little tougher. During that surgery, so I had uh, two weeks, I had vacation in July, then I went and had the surgery. Unfortunately, when he was into that brachial plexus, he hit the phrenic nerve. So the phrenic nerve travels down the center of your body. It's attached to your diaphragm. And your di when you pull your diaphragm down, stick your belly out, breathe in, and stick your belly out. That's a diaphragm. That looks gross. <sighs> That's a diaphragm breath. When, and because you can breathe in and out of your lungs and not pull on your diaphragm my diaphragm was partially paralyzed. He said, I want you to wait six weeks. I think it's going to heal itself. Unfortunately, it did not heal itself. I found out when I took the x-ray that I could have been permanently impaired. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God is good. I, I, can, I can belly breathe. Woo, Lord Jesus. 
I, uh, during that six-week period, I couldn't walk across the street. I, 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 it would have changed my life uh, in a way that, you know, would change my career and everything else. It changed my life. The night I had the diaphragmatic plications, what it's called, the diaphragm folded over itself. They had to open the diaphragm and stitch it back down to where it was supposed to hold. Okay, so that night when I went in, I said to them, I said, listen, the issue is my neck. Just repeat after me, doctor, neck. <laughs> the issue is my neck, my neck, my neck, my neck. Uh, I did not know that they were going to lay me on my side. Uh, it makes sense now. They had to go over here. They laid me on my side. They torqued my head sideways and they put my arm over my head for four and a half hours. When I woke up, uh, I didn't know this either, that the anesthesia gives you temporary paralysis. So my face was plastered to my shoulder. I, I was temporarily paralyzed and I was, I was unable to speak to them about what I needed. It was super intense. I, I, and so hours later, probably four or five hours later, they had probably over-medicated me at that point. And that's when the enemy came. And I had a clear vision. Uh, it was probably the most challenging night of my entire life. I'll just, I'll put it like that. It was the most challenging. Uh, three of my vertebrae were actually out um, because of the way I was positioned and so on. I was in a great deal of pain. When I saw the enemy, he was dressed in Persian clothes. I don't know why that's important, but the Lord said, say it. <laughs> Persian clothes. He had a lance a long spear, but it looked like a jousting spear. It didn't look like a traditional spear. It was very long, um, and it covered probably up to the forearm, you know, that jousting spear, and it was, very, it was very, very pointed at the end like a hypodermic. Maybe I was just, you know, imagining hypodermic the whole time. I'm not sure, but I think I saw the devil. I knew when I had the vision that he was trying to pierce me. He jumped off of a high place, and it looked like a scene from 300. If you're young, don't watch it. <laughs> but it was cool. Um, yeah, right? Just beware. It's very gory. He jumped off of a high place, and his, his leg was bent, and he was, he was coming down with a lot of force, and I could recognize that he wanted to spear me. And, and, and he wanted, he was targeting my midsection. And that's the worst place to be pierced. It's called being run through. You don't survive that. But I had the intimate knowledge at that time that he wasn't just trying to run me through physically. He was trying to pierce my soul. And you know, people come, go into the hospital, right? And sometimes they don't come out. You know, you, you, this is a real thing, right? I, would, I mean, I, I promise you those moments were the most tenuous moments. Some of the clearest, most tenuous moments of my whole life. They would have said I died of COVID, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, pause. I had to. So this is the cool part. 
It's like my vision panned down and I could hear shouting. Man, I'm getting chills just telling you. I, there was a lot of yelling, a violent yelling and shouting and there was an almost like a Christian cursing in the spirit. Ah! And I could, it welled up and I could see hundreds of people pressing together and they all had spears that were the same size and the same shape and the same pointedness of his and all of the spears were pointing towards him. He tried to force his way down, but all he had was a shield of prayer warriors. He, three times, there were three separate times where it was like he was, it was like he was running and jumping and trying to push down to me, but the force of the prayers of thousands of people, and I recognize our church, churches here, churches in Tampa, churches in Texas, churches in uh, Zambia, Africa, Oscar Mumba. There were churches praying. And I wanted to tell you in person how much it means to me that you were. I, wanted, I want you to know. I want you to know that your prayers mean the difference between life and death sometimes. I want you to know that. It's a real deal. God intercedes for the saints. And I'm beyond thankful that I'm present, I'm healing, I'm with you. I, 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 am, I, get to, I get to share with you. I get to be present with you. I learned... 2 Corinthians, and you don't need to, just, just note this, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4, 9, 9 through 11. It says, this, I, I learned this in this season. We're persecuted, right? But we're not abandoned. Come on now. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, and we're not destroyed. And then the rest of the verse says, we carry around the death of Jesus in our hearts. We carry around the death of Jesus in our mortal bodies so that we might carry around with us the life of Jesus in our mortal bodies. And God is here to set free, to heal, to bring back. Mm, 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 mm. So, so just that's, that's the personal side. Here's the corporate side. It's miraculous what God has done from 2019, 2020. It's, things went all 2020 this year. But even in the midst of 2020, let, let me just give you some stats that are corporate very quickly, okay? That, that's the personal side. Here's the corporate side, the church side. Let me tell you how good you've done. So we're back in person now 40, about 45%. 45, and, and that's adults and that's children. And they, they, they match, right? They ride together. Okay. Online is up 120%. That means 100% of last year plus 20 more percent, thousands and thousands and thousands of people online connecting, still grooving and jiving. Our life groups, 
from 2019 to 2020, things should go crazy and you should lose everything in 2020. We're actually up 2% more than we were last year in life groups, more than we've ever had. Our student ministry is 75% across the board, which is about what schools look like because they're in-person gatherings, right? Incredible, 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 incredible. God is doing awesome things. Our giving is up 110%. That means, listen, 100% of last year and 10% more. Man, I'm telling, what? Come on, church, what? 88% 88 of people are giving on a digital platform, which is incredible. And then the last thing I'll say is we are expecting, we, we, we're really, really close to having some incredible, life-changing, awesome news about Plant City and the building that we have had our eyes on and been praying for for a long time. God is about to do something great. Woo! Mm. All right, let me give you the word. Let me give you the word. If you got your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Here's the word. There's three parts to it. <clears throat> I'll unpack it for you here just a little bit. <clears throat> the Lord said, <clears throat> comes right out of the scripture. First of all, pursue. Pursue. I want to activate Today, I want to activate in you a pursuit, a belief, a faith, something that uh, pulls us up. And, and listen, I promise you, it doesn't happen until God's ready. That means you might be down, you might be out, you might have had things taken from you, you might have uh, been raided, stolen from, broken, beat, busted, laid up. But God says when he's ready, get up, pursue. I want you to go pursue the enemy. And the promise is behind that two things. Overtake, in other words, fight him on his own ground. And you will recover all. You will recover all. All right, let's get into it. First Samuel chapter 30 and 29, the scripture sets up, this is a story about King David. And King David is running from a man named Saul, who's the, the, the king. Now, David is anointed. He's been anointed already by Samuel, but he's not appointed yet. He's still running. He has 600 men with him. The guys that he hung out with in the cave of Adullam, the he took a ragtag bunch of men. He made them the most elite fighting force in the world at the time. 600 men with him. The trouble is, is that in, verse, in chapter 29, he's fighting with the Philistines on the Philistine side because he's trying to hide in a foreign army not to be discovered by Saul. Saul is persecuting him and chasing him. But this time, as we go into chapter 30, uh, the Philistines are going to fight the Israelites and the commanders of the Philistine army recognize, wait a second, David is a great warrior. He has 600 people with him, and he is an Israelite, and we probably ought to not have him in our group when we go fight them. And so they say, you can't be with us. They dispatch from the Philistine army. They have a, a space in Philistia, in the Philistine region. It's called Ziklag. Ziklag. 
They go away. They take off. The Bible doesn't say where they go. Where they go when they came back to their home base in Philistia, this place that was kind of a hideout camp. And Ziklag. Here's what the Bible says. Chapter thirty, verse one. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites. This is a, a particularly brutal group of people. I'll suffice it to say that had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. That's the region. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Of course, David didn't know that. Didn't know if they were dead or alive. Three, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. Here's the first note. The devil is an opportunist. He will come whenever you're down and whenever you're out. When you're down and you're out, you'll be visited by Satan. He, 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 is, an, he is an equal opportunity offender as well. He will come. When, when, when things, when you're away, when it's broken, when you're suffering, he will come into the picture. Verse 4. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Skip down to verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. The men were talking about killing him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and his daughters. And the goal, when Satan comes, when he attacks, the goal for him is for you to catastrophize. You know what catastrophe is? Catastrophizing. I don't even know if that's a word, y'all. Don't ask me to spell it. Catastrophize means that you say, that's it. My finances are gone, that's it. I'm not surviving this. My house has been burned. It's completely burned to the ground. My marriage is gone. My children are gone. That you start confessing and agreeing with him that the catastrophe is complete. I want you to know the secret in this scripture. Lots of times the devil comes, he picks your stuff up, it remains intact, but he leaves with it. And what God is saying is, you haven't lost a single thing, just go get it. Just go get your stuff. Don't tell me, don't tell me you're dead. Don't tell me your life is over. Don't tell me, please don't say to me, that's it. My marriage is over. Don't, don't listen. And, and that's not, that's not a shame. That's not trying to break anybody. Okay. God is saying to us lots of times things are not as though they seem and the devil has our stuff. Super important, super important verse, but David found strength and the Lord his God. Amen. So in another translation, it says that David encouraged himself before the Lord. That means when you're your lowest of lowest, when you've been raided and attacked and stolen from and taken and beat down and broken, that you crawl, if you have to, to the altar of grace and you lay your life before the Lord and you say, Jesus, only you can save me. Only you can help me. Only you can deliver me. Now, God, please tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. In the next verse, next couple of verses, verse 8 and 9, it says, And David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. It's so important that we go to the Lord and we ask him. He said, Shall I pursue this raiding party? 
Will I overtake them? So I want to ask you a question, okay? So it's, it's an easy one. It's, it's a give me. It's a softball, all right? When warriors are attacked, what do warriors do 100% of the time? They attack back. But David is smart enough to know that he's not supposed to do that until he asks the Lord. Because God can say, stop. God can say, go right. Come on, somebody. God can say, go left. Sometimes God has a very particular path for you and for me, but all the time God says, pray to me, and I'll tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. Pray, and I'll tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. Just come to me and ask me. It'll be very particular. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Here's where the scripture comes in. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them. Pursue. You will overcome. That's the promise. And you will recover. Come on, say it with me. Recover all. You're going to recover all. David and the 600 men came to the Bezor Ravine. This is a region where some of the men stayed back. They stayed behind. 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and 400 men continued the pursuit. Uh, Note, God will often weaken you to glorify himself. So you go off in the pursuit and you lose more money. Jesus, did I hear you right? You go off in the pursuit and things get worse. You can expect for things to get worse for a period of time because God has deliverance for you. He promises it every single time. Next scripture, verse 11. They found an Egyptian in a field and they brought him to David They gave him water to drink and food to eat. So here's the picture. David is with 600 men. He's very upset. They're riding off, just galloping away. They don't know where they're going. Except God said, pursue, go. They are kind of in a hurry. Wouldn't you think? But there's a man there who is half dead, He's had no food, no water for three days. And in the compassion, this is what makes King David so special. Because he stopped to care for a man who was dying. And in doing so, he finds out that this Egyptian man had been cast out because he got sick. He was sickly or whatever it was. He was cast out from the very Amalekites who had raided him three days before. And in his kindness to stop and minister to this man, he says, what's going on? And where are you from? And he says, I was with the Amalekites. Can you tell me where they are? Let's go find them. Because three days ago, now look at at this. This is like... Abraham and Isaac. Listen, the day he was raided was the day God displaced the Amalekite, displaced the Egyptian from the Amalekites. Do you see the pieces coming together? God says, pursue, and when you do, you'll find the Egyptian man in the desert. He's your provision. Without the Egyptian, they don't find the Amalekites. And without the Amalekites, they don't get their families back. What a glorious church, what a glorious promise that God has for you and me when we're compassionate, when we see, when we love, when we care, 
when we have enough of that in our heart, even when we're, man, we're stressed, we're driving, amen? (laughs) When we have something to do, it's a big task. When we pause in this way, God gives us things that we don't expect. The Amalekites said, yes, I know exactly where they are. Ride with me. And the Bible says, as we get down to the scripture, verse 16, it says that as they came up over the hill, there were the Amalekites and there were their wives and their children. They were perfectly fine. There were all of their goods and they were all partying. It was close to nighttime and they were reveling. (laughs) We stole their stuff. I want to tell you this. Listen to me. The devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. The devil isn't omnipotent. He's not all powerful, but God is. So listen to me. The devil is always sneaking up on us. But what does it look like when we sneak up on him? When we go for our stuff, what does that look like? It says that they were reveling. They were drunk. There were no guards. Their whole camp was exposed. And the Bible says that David plundered them. In in vernacular, that's kicking some butt. (laughs) He plundered them. It says he fought them from dusk. One evening, that's as the sun was going down all the way through the next day till the evening of the next day. And not a single person uh, escaped except uh, save five or six young men who got camels that were fast enough to get out of there. And here's what the Bible says as it concludes. Verse 18, David, come on church. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Come on church. He brought everything back. All the flocks, all the herds, his men, they drove them ahead of them. And this is David's plunder. Not only did they take back everything that was theirs, the Amalekites had been in other places raiding other other groups of people. They had an excess of other things. So David got back everything that was his, plus a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't his. So much so that he sent gifts to all the regions, when you finish the chapter, he sends gifts to all the regions that are around him, sends gifts to the elders. There was so much, ex- say excess. 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 So much. Pursue. And surely you will overtake. And you will recover all. You will recover all. You'll recover all. So what I want to do to, to close, I just want to have a little ministry time. Is that okay? We, we won't go long. Here's what I want you to do, okay? I feel like the Lord gave me a few things. They're all F's. I don't know why. Maybe it's preacher's alliteration. I'm not sure. They just, it's when I, I was praying and a sound like a tuning fork went off in my left ear and, and it was loud enough that I had to cover my ear. And when I let go of my ear, the Lord said immediately, I said, that's a tuning fork. He said, now listen to my voice. And some of these 
like especially the first one, they don't make sense to me, but I'm going to ask you in faith if you feel like you've been stolen from, if you feel like you've been raided, you've been attacked, you, you, you didn't know it was coming, you've been misplaced or things have been discarded in these categories. I'm just going to ask you by faith, if you would just write where you are. If you're at home, you can do the same thing. Just as I mention these and you feel them, I'm going to explain them just a little bit. We're not going to go super long. I'm going to explain them. If that's you, I want you to just by faith, just stand up where you are. And then I would ask the body, those of you at home and the body, I'd ask you to just begin to pray for those who are standing, okay? And here's the words. This is going to help you to stand, to identify. Here's what God said to me. There's, uh, the first word is fiance. And, and so God, when I looked at this word and I heard it first, it just means to me that maybe there's some trouble. Maybe there's a brokenness. Maybe there's a loss, male or female. And you feel like that might be you. If that's you, you can, you can stand. The second one was finances. And if you feel like somehow the enemy has gotten to you during this season and your finances, you just go, my finances, they... they they're being pulled away from me. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I feel like I've been raided. I feel like I've been raided. Next is faith. And during this season, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to remove from us the foundations of our faith. He says, I'm gonna strip from you, I'm gonna come in like a flood and I'm gonna strip from you your faithful words to me, your actions that prove that you love me and that my word is seated in you. The next one is family. And if you feel like you're struggling in your family situation, whatever that looks like, maybe there's difficulty between mom and dad, or maybe it's between another family member. The next one is friends. And when God gave me this word, he gave them very quickly. When he gave me these words, there was a special emphasis on the fact that friends had been friends for a long time. And I saw two people fighting on Facebook. And there was a, like that violent, you know if you're on Facebook, you just feel like you can say anything. Violent interaction between friends that have been friends for a long time. I feel like it's kind of political. And two friends parted ways, just like, that's it. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Freedoms, just a couple more, freedoms. And if you feel like during this season, your, your ability to worship, your, your trust in who you are to be free has been taken away somehow. You're being limited, stolen from. Would you stand as well? Foundations. Pastor Stephen spoke on foundations just last week on the foundations of the scripture, our homes, our families, the church. And there are a lot of people in our nation right now that are saying the foundations are gone, but also the foundations are gone in my life. Lastly, fences. And in Malachi chapter three, the Bible says that the devourer comes and I had the picture of him kicking down the fence. There's fences that we put up that we need in our lives, right? To keep him away from our resources, the Bible says that he's the devourer. And so if you feel like the enemy has come and kicked down the fence, not just for your money, listen to me, not just for your money, but for your household items, your things, 
Would you, would you stand? And then the last one that was connected to fences uh, was a vineyard. And I could see little foxes coming through those holes. And the Bible says in Song of Solomon that the fox spoils the vineyard. And I could see married couples just letting the pressure, the stuff get to them and the little foxes get in there and you're going, we've been married 20 years or 30 years. Why are we fighting like this? What, what is, what's happening? Would you stand? Amen. I'll just give you one more minute. Would you stand? If, if, if you feel like been taken from, would you stand? Here's how I want to pray for you. This is a synopsis of Romans chapter 8. And if you're here and you're at home, would you begin to pray? Just pray. If you can and it's appropriate, stretch your hand forward. Touch, touch a brother or sister. Always, 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 thoughtfully, gently, just thoughtfully. Always, always watch where, shoulder, okay? All right, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes people come to church, they don't want to be touched. Okay? So can maybe just place on the shoulder. Can you do that? Begin to pray. I'm going to pray for you. This is a little synopsis from Romans 8. The Spirit of the living God is making intercession for you right now. You're predestined. You're called. You're justified. You're glorified. You're a son or daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You love the Lord. Can you confess, I love the Lord? You love the Lord. You're called according to His purpose. And everything you're experiencing right now, every single thing you're experiencing is working together for the good of those who are called according to His good purpose. You're one of the called. He's working it out for your good. No weapon formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus. No weapon. You're more than a conqueror in him who loves you. Father, we pray you would pour your love on us right now. Pour your favor out on your children. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are covered. Father, we pray for this financial situation and we're asking in Jesus' name, Lord, you on the cattle on a thousand hills, send finances right now. Release them in the heavens. Release in Jesus' name. We pray for faith now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and we declare in Jesus' name that those who need a word would go to the word. Release from your scripture the power and the authority for direction to pursue. Father, we pray for families and we ask God for a tenuous circumstance to turn in the tension to be relieved in Jesus' name. We pray for inside the church and outside the church and inside of our homes. Father, would you make it a place of joy and laughter in Jesus' name? God, give us our friendships back. We're not, we're not red or blue. Father, we pray for our freedoms and we thank you that no government, no man, no system can take away our freedoms. We're free in Christ. The Bible says we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. 
We pray for our foundations nationally, governmentally. We pray for our foundations, for our homes. We pray for the foundation of Scripture to be laid in the foundation of our homes and in our faith, God, in our children, Lord. And we pray for the fences, God. We pray that the fences would be placed again, that the fences would hold out the devourer. Father, that the fences, you would set fire, put fire sticks in the fox's tails. Let them run out of the vineyard in Jesus' name. And last, we just, we pray for the fiance, male or female, wherever that might be. And Father, we're just asking you, whatever's been lost, broken, or taken, you'd restore. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine in this place, Father, fill our hearts with what we need right now. Speak, pour out, pour out right now. Speak to us. He loves you. He's not forsaken you. You've been raided. But you'll pursue. And you shall overtake. And you shall recover all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Now, can we, I want to end like this. Just, you can, you can be seated. Thank you so much. If there's anybody here who hasn't trusted Christ as Savior, there's a, just a simple ask that comes from the scripture. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So let's do that together. Would you join me online and right here today? Let's say, Lord Jesus. Come on, I'm just just praying for some of you that maybe, maybe you just not made that decision yet. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I choose to give you my life. Come live inside of me, in Jesus' name, amen. What an awesome word from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget, you can watch all of these message videos on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch and subscribe there. Don't forget to follow us on social media at We Are Crossing on all platforms. And we can't wait to worship with you this weekend in person at one of our three campuses or online at wearecrossing.com.